Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to the Stargate Archives, and on this new bonus episode I'm going to be taking a look at the Richard Dean Anderson starring show MacGyver, and the premiere unsurprisingly named Pilot. MacGyver premiered in the US on September 29, 1985, and made its way across the pond to the UK a few years later, on April 8, 1989, and it was a show that I watched on broadcast TV at the time. Of course, box sets and streaming still some ways away. The show starred Richard Dean Anderson and ran for seven seasons on ABC for a total of 139 episodes and had two movies produced, with the bulk of shooting taking place in Vancouver. Yep, even back then the US broadcasters were making use of the cost and talent benefits producing North of the Border. The series was created by Lee David Zlatoff, with the executive producers Henry Winkler, yeah, that Henry Winkler, and John Rich. The series was rebooted a few years ago on CBS, and to be honest, I had no interest in watching, and to this date, have not done so. The premiere episode, Pilot, was written by Thackeray Paller and directed by Gerald Friedman, who was originally credited as the ubiquitous Alan Smithy, due to his issues with the editing of the original longer version feature, Down to a TV Hour. The very memorable music of the show was composed by Randy Edelman, a very well-respected name in the business. Notable guest stars on this episode was Dana Elkar as Andy Coulson, who was recast as Pete Thornton for a further 125 episodes. Dana passed age 77 in 2005. Darlene Flugel played Dr. Barbara Spencer. She went on to have major recurring roles on Crime Story and Hunter. Alas, she also passed in 2017, age 64. Shavar Ross played the young Reggie, and despite the character seemingly pivotal to the life of MacGyver, he never returned to the story. Chavar, however, had a good career working on Different Strokes, Punky Brewster, Family Matters and Magnum P.I. Right, let's jump straight into the series. I'm sort of a repairman. MacGyver, Episode 1, Season 1, Pilot. And the episode starts in glorious 4x3 ratio. Oh, the grand old days. A nice landscape, very reminiscent of... The John Ford Westerns. Stunning visuals. It certainly looks like Monument Valley, although the on-screen text says it's Central Asia. And the camera focuses on one particular piece of mountain. Zooms in and we see there's a man climbing the mountain. Very reminiscent of Star Trek V. Of course, uh, this actually looks like a guy on a mountain. Doesn't seem green screen or anything. Maybe the uh, choppered up a guy, a stuntman on a rope, repelled down and they shot it like that. Very impressive though. And we get some voiceover from Richard Dean Anderson as MacGyver. We get a tale from MacGyver's youth. Of course the voiceover, the observations from the main show's character, very common throughout the series. It's what made the show so special. We see now there's some sort of crashed aircraft on top of the mountain some camping tents and whatnot. He's uh, kind of sneaking up. First episode of the series though, exactly what is he up to? 
in hindsight, we know that his character is a spy, an agent, uh, intelligence operative, rescue worker, pretty much everything. But at this point, is he there to save the pilot? Is he there to get data off this aircraft? Is he there to destroy the aircraft? We don't know yet. Either way, love the bobble hat. Don't you love 80s television? MacGyver creeps up to one of the soldiers. They look Chinese. The uniforms certainly look like Chinese. Takes him out and seconds later, he's got the uh, the soldier's uniform on. AK-47. And then infiltrates the camp. The fact that he's a good foot taller than everybody else and has a, an impressive mullet is totally irrelevant. <laughs> the narration continues as MacGyver recounts his breaking of a horse. Of course, it's a metaphor his current mission. The horse is a lot bigger than remembered. The camp is a lot bigger than remembered. And we find that there is a surviving pilot. But that wasn't on the mission profile. He's here to get the missile. I'm pretty sure, though, that uh, MacGyver's going to save the pilot. <laughs> right, MacGyver gets into the tent with the missile, opens up the hatch, has a look inside, removes, I assume, hard drives, circuit boards, trips some sort of countdown, 30 seconds, grabs the paperclip, twist, twist, prod, prod, one second. Brilliant. <laughs> we get the, uh, the music as well. That will become very familiar over the next few years. And MacGyver's on his way out. Time to rescue the pilot. And this is just brilliant. He rigs an AK-47 with a piece of wood, some elastic bands, a little bit of twine and a book of matches. Before you know it, the AK-47 is <laughs> firing rounds. Confusion reigns. MacGyver makes his bid to free the pilot. Much has been said over the years about MacGyver's use of a weapon, or lack thereof. Here, though, he takes a few pot shots at the pursuing soldiers and hands off the AK to the pilot. We get a bit of a dramatic instance as they both reach the cliff. Of course, it makes you wonder why he didn't already have his parachute ready to go. But never mind, that's a TV producer's choice, a director's choice. And now the flare gun, which is hammering into a more compact form. Kind of a rocket. <laughs> yes, a rocket. Let's see how this works. This should, be, this should be brilliant. And the rocket, the flare, propels the two men off the cliff. Hang on tight, guy, because only one parachute. They fall, 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 fall. The parachute pops open and they are safe. Cue opening credits. These are great credits. The music's fantastic. The clips all show MacGyver doing MacGyver things. Just fun. And so the episode begins. And of course we don't count the teaser. <laughs> Even though it was a pretty impressive teaser. The Griffiths Observatory. Is that where MacGyver lives? Not too bad. He's looking through one of the big telescopes with a young lad named Reggie. Big brother, little brother. Not sure at this point if they are biologically related or it's just kind of the Big Brother program. I seem to recall an episode of The Simpsons about that. <laughs> Chaos ensued. Well, give me not great on a scale of one to ten. Minus three. That's why we couldn't order anyone to try. So, uh, your name came up. The scene ends and we cut to New Mexico, Bannon. Quebec looks like a small radio station. Unmarked black car pulls up. A mystery. So, the mystery is revealed, some sort of secret laboratory. 
lots of computers, lots of people around in white coats, high-ranking visitor. Dr. Marlow is the visitor. He's here to meet the director of this facility, Dr. Burke, who at present isn't there. A Dr. Steubens is also mentioned and the Sendrich Corporation. So this is a private concern, maybe doing contract for the DOD. We're not quite sure yet. He's greeted by Dr. Barbara Spencer. She works within the Kiva Laboratories, K-I-V-A. Probably an acronym of some sort, we don't know yet. Hopefully we'll find out. It means something ominous. <laughs> Spencer, Barbara T, GL773, clearance to level three. Such tight security, should I be flattered? Standard procedure, I'm afraid. She takes him through the security procedures and now she uses a laser to uh, emulate a body scan into an elevator down 300 feet. This is a big complex under the New Mexico desert. What can they be doing? Credit as well for a nice bit of green screen to show the elevator moving down. Not bad for the 80s. And then the visitor and maybe one of the heads of the facility begin to play chess as the hours tick by. And we get the glimpse of a bomb, some plastic explosive. Carl seems to be aware. Midday, bang. The explosives go off, the base is severely damaged, acid is leaking from containment facilities, automated alarms are going off. Well, there you go. That is going to be our mission for this episode. Cut back to Griffith's observatory, helicopter comes and lands in the car park. MacGyver goes to meet him, gets a lowdown on the accident in New Mexico. 20 survivors buried in the rubble. Of course, this is a classified research facility, so they really probably don't want to advertise the fact by sending a full rescue crew. Although, what can MacGyver do? <laughs> we see that there are ambulances at the New Mexico facility, a lot of soldiers about as well. I suppose it benefits that it is out of the way. It's not going to get a huge amount of publicity as long as they don't do anything foolish. Dr. Marlowe and Dr. Steubens are both alive, 300 feet down. Dr. Steubens is injured. And then we get a shot of a very military helicopter coming in. Jav Red was used in Blue Thunder. And you can believe it because it's got one hell of a gun on its nose. Right, MacGyver's on site getting a briefing. Uh, there is a huge amount of acid leaking towards the water layer below the lab and this is one thing I like about MacGyver it's not always save the guy save the woman there tends to be a little environmental issue to it as well problem now he's got to save the people and he's got to prevent the acid from hitting the water table which will poison the Rio Grande and pretty much devastate Texas and Mexico and all the, all the land around it not good at all so we're on a timetable we're on a timer oh this is gonna be fun the only way down to level one is through the elevator, which is protected by a laser grid. Yeah, lasers. Fortunately, MacGyver's on it already. Borrows a pack of cigarettes, because we all know that a little bit of smoke helps you see lasers. And off he goes. Oh, you've got to light 80s technology. The microphone MacGyver's wearing is huge. Connect to a wire to a battery pack. Compare that to what we have nowadays. <laughs> you can't help but be struck by the similarity in the walkway either it looks very much like a jeffries tube on one of the star trek series voyager or tng you know those that are just big enough to crawl through he gets to the end kicks off the grate which goes flying into the elevator shaft 
and gets zapped by the lasers. Got a feeling that these security measures are a little overkill, but make good television. Onward, MacGyver, onward. And this is why MacGyver is MacGyver. He takes one of the cigarettes that he's carrying in his pack, slowly pushes it out, it catches the invisible laser and ignites. He then proceeds to light up three more cigarettes and blow the smoke into the elevator shaft. As the smoke increases, he can visibly see the pattern of the lasers. It looks like a disco, <laughs> just no music. And quite frankly, I'm not quite sure how the hell he's going to get past these, because it's fast. Oh, wait, wait, binoculars, smash, smash. Now what is he doing? <laughs> what the hell is he doing there? He's got the lens. No, he's broke the lens. The lens inside, maybe? Ah, there we go. He's reflecting some of the laser light. And, oh, yep, he's going to use the laser against one of its own emitters. The guy's a genius. 10,000 watt gas laser. And boom. Only a little boom. I want a big boom. But the laser grids out. Lots of sparks. So the elevator shaft is safe now. Well done, MacGyver. He's down to the first level. Only two more to go. <laughs> the complex is sure is a mess. Although considering the size of the explosions, structurally it looks pretty sound. There's a lot of debris, but the walls are intact. The ceilings are reasonable. Oh, <laughs> until we get to where the corridors caved in. But this is MacGyver, and he's got to have obstacles to overcome. He's found a shoe. Okay, what can he make with that? Fortunately, there's just enough room to crawl in, and there's a lot of soft sand, so he's not going to cut himself up as well. That's most fortunate. And then he hears some tapping. My money on this is Dr. Barbara, because there's always going to be a Dr. Barbara. It's just the era of television we're in at the moment. Although, unfortunately, truth be told, that hasn't changed a great deal. Getting better, you know, we're seeing more series with female-led stars where they are the heroes, they are the, the go-getters. But this is very definitely MacGyver to the rescue. So, how to get through the cave-in? There's a steel beam right across. Bing! MacGyver has an idea. Gets the hose pipe, the fire emergency water, and uses it as a hydraulic lifting device. At best, it, it's going to lift an inch, inch and a half maybe, but that's enough. We should just be grateful that none of the water pipes are actually damaged through this explosion. Now he's going to use brute force to shove the beam aside. And it works. He forced down the other side of the cave in over rocks. Of course, they're plastic rocks, but that's not the point, is it? <laughs> right, a lot of survivors here. Yeah, so lots of very injured people, although they all seem ambulatory, so that's good. They're able to get out and hopefully climb up the elevator shaft with a little bit of help. MacGyver's got to go on, though. Two more levels. Ah, Doc, without the lab coat, in a fetching pink number with uber shoulder pads befitting the 80s era of television not surprisingly macgyver asks for her help and of course she's quite up for it <laughs> to be fair though the character is makes no bones about the fact that she wants to help she's going to risk her life to save the two two men below on the third level she's not a helpless damsel in distress <laughs> although then we get <laughs> oh dear I'm not really sure we should be having this sort of upskirt shot. You can't really see anything, but seriously, come on. <laughs> come on, guys. Barbara recounts the explosions. They all seem to have happened in the various labs that are in this complex. 
that raises a warning flag for MacGyver. Coincidence? Obviously, there's areas of this facility which are storage, which you'd expect the explosion to at least to originate. Generators, backup fuel stores, but no, the labs themselves. The next challenge, a detour is required through the gas chamber. A series of airlocks around a common lab. And this is where MacGyver picks up bars of chocolate. Interesting. It's not, Obviously, it's not just because he feels peckish. These are going to come in handy. Chekhov's gun, as they say. And off the two of them go. Surprisingly, this area of the facility looks pretty neat. Yes, there's some debris about, but structurally very safe. Maybe these airlocks are a lot more robust than the standard corridors, which makes a little bit of sense. Unfortunately, the alarms go off and they start closing and they had to make a mad dash for it. They spy into one of the labs, see a lot of gas floating around, and a lot of dead bodies. Still on a countdown, as McGavel was told earlier on, initially a 10-hour rescue window was cut to 5 hours because of the threat of the acid. We are now down to a little over 3 hours and counting. Right, so now we've got problems. The only way through the lab is to evacuate the gas. The only way to do that is to get to the pumps. The only way to do that is to go through the lab where the poisonous gas is. Of course, they're going to run out of air anyway, so MacGyver's up for it. He's given instructions to Barbara to make a run as soon as she opens the airlock. He's going to try to get to the pumps. She takes the opportunity to plant one on his mush. Of course she would. <laughs> and let's see how MacGyver gets himself out of this. The gas, not the woman. Oh, <laughs> take your shirt off, rip it up, cover his nose and mouth, smash the glass, which isn't safety glass, which is a little bit worrying, and make a dash for it. Fortunately, the gas is heavier than here, so it's not that dangerous, actually, because if you can see it, of course, there might be some other gases in the room as well. Oh, the vents are opening, pulling the gas out, everything. He's done it. Of course he's done it. Was there any doubt? Oh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> they're not sure the sodium hydroxide is going to neutralise the acid, so now they're going to fire a missile into the base in 31 minutes and 20-odd seconds. And MacGyver hasn't got his radio anymore. Oh dear, oh dear. So they're down another level, looks like an uh, industrial part of the complex. A lot of pipe work and ducting, a lot of damage. The atmosphere is very hazy. I'm not quite sure MacGyver looks right if he's not wearing his plaid shirt, but <laughs> that's okay because Barbara's still got her heels on. Yeah, there's a lot of acid leaking out of the container. I would have thought breathing in that room would be pretty difficult as well. Imagine that would be just as dangerous as the lab they've just been through. Now MacGyver's got to figure out a way to actually fix the container. Have you got any putty on him or anything like that? Chocolate? I'm not sure how, but chocolate may come in handy. Yep, chocolate. He's getting the chocolate bars out. Milk chocolate as well. This is all. Well, this is chemistry. I'm not ready for this. The milk and sugars in the chocolate will actually glue a sealant. Chocolate bars. To you, they're milk chocolate. To sulfuric acid, it's lactose and sucrose. C12, H22O11, disaccharide. Brilliant. I tell you, there's a lot of leg. There's a lot of. There's a lot of dodgy camera work on this episode. You think you could balance against that tank if you stood on my shoulders? Uh, at least she's taking her shoes off, and I've got a feeling that maybe she's wearing tights under there. And we should be thankful this isn't Baywatch. 
because they'd be doing this in the beginning. Uh, oh my. <laughs> yes, folks, they are putting chocolate bars into the crack in the container and it's working. <laughs> oh, thank God it wasn't a Toblerone. It wouldn't bloody fit, would it? <laughs> Amazing. Somehow the... No, I'm not... That's just unbelievable. Maybe there's some science there. I have no idea. Uh, right, onwards, ever onwards. All right, we're in a part of the lab. A huge amount of water here. Recycling centre, cleansing centre. I'm not quite sure which. It's a bit odd. Good production value. And they are soaked through. It only looked like they were wading through, but they're, they're totally soaked through. Her shoulder pads are even drooping. Again, they've come to a dead end. Uh, lots of debris. Huge pieces of machinery lying about. Oh, is the intercom working? I wouldn't have thought so. But McGarver's got an idea. He is smelling the debris. Ah, uh, plastic explosive. Alright, Dr. Barbara's got through to the two men in the lab. They're going to be saved. They're going to be rescued. Unless, of course, one of them is responsible. Blow an opening? With what? Don't tell me you know how to make a bomb out of a stick of chewing gum. Why, you got some? <laughs> Why have you got some? I hate to imagine what MacGyver could do with some chewing gum. Juicy fruit, even fresh mint. Okay, let's have a look round the lab, see what he can find. This is what MacGyver's all about. As he said himself, his bag isn't there to take things down, his bag's there to collect things on the way that will prove useful. I'm pretty sure they will find some ingredients for an explosive in a lab. Countdown continues, six minutes before the missile launch. Gotta give it to the Army Corps of Engineers, they are very efficient. Meanwhile, MacGyver's making his small explosive device, taking a cold capsule, removing the contents, fill it up with some chemicals they've got from a cupboard. It's not going to take much by the looks of it, if <laughs> this explosive can fit inside a cold capsule. Tick tock, tick tock, MacGyver. The tankers are here, they're getting ready to flood the compound with the sodium hydroxide. It's a question of what's going to kill MacGyver first. The missile, the acid, the explosion, the chemicals. And they're ready to blow the wall down. He's buried a jar, packed some earth around it to give it the concussion they need. Capsules inside, brace for impact. And boom, he's in. Nice touch. He's uh, told Barbara to wait for him. He wants to go in first. Obviously, he's suspicious. At this point, though, why would you assume it's one of the two survivors? You know, it could be anybody that planted the bombs. Obviously, for the stuff. Oh, here we go. The wind grabs the gun out of the cabinet, holds the two guys at gunpoint. Oh dear. <laughs> Barbara can't help but come in. MacGyver, is everyone all right? Spencer, gosh darn it! I told you to wait outside. I'm sorry, Barbara. MacGyver, gosh darn it. <laughs> MacGyver, bless him. Of course, now we need to know why he did this. Oh, and we get a twist. The doctor wasn't being malicious or greedy, wasn't selling out his country, his people. He discovered a way to destroy the ozone layer as a weapon, and he didn't want anybody to get hold of it. So he invited Dr. Marlowe, the only person who was at his level intellectually who could solve this problem or create this problem, and chose to destroy the lab and the two people, himself included. Research would be wiped out. The threat to the earth would be removed. That's almost heroic if it wasn't for the fact that he's killed a lot of people in the process. Unfortunately, he's, he's still going to shoot people and Barbara lunges at him and gets shot. No! 
was dumb, Spencer. Very, very dumb. Yeah, it also hurts like hell. Ah, stop talking, please. Oh dear. And two minutes to go. We are we're in a hurry now, lads. <laughs> MacGyver has an idea thanks to a word from Barbara, and he rushes towards the generator room where he starts manipulating the power flows to create a Morse code message in the control room. I'm not quite sure why the control room isn't using auxiliary generators. I may explain why they're having so much trouble keeping the equipment working. Fortunately, one of the men in the control room identifies Morse code, decodes it, acid is safe, stop the missile, 10 seconds, abort launch, and the missile isn't fired. <laughs> yeah, probably could have seen that coming, but we're not going to worry too much about that because MacGyver's safe, the two doctors are safe. Barbara is safe, although she's wounded. She might have a scar. She will have a scar. She's got a bullet hole in her gut. <laughs> we get a touching moment between Barbara and MacGyver. If you recall speed, you remember that intense emotions and situations can drive people together. This is very definitely one of those situations. I'm not sure even lust or mutual attraction work this quick. The two of them have been through a lot and they've survived. Maybe in a few weeks, they can go out on a dinner date. And who knows, a few weeks after that, she may be up for something. Me, I don't think we'll see her again. That's just television. And the episode ends back at the Griffiths Observatory with Reggie MacGyver playing basketball. And we get to listen to that fantastic music again. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Stargate Archives as I look back at the MacGyver pilot or the MacGyver Premier Cord Pilot, which made Richard Dean Anderson a global star. Hopefully I'll be recording some more content for the Stargate archives this December. If you want to be involved, or even in 2019, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me via email, stargatearchives at gmail.com, via the website, stargatearchives.com. We are on Google+, Facebook, and Tumblr. And we are also on Twitter, using the old at the gatecast handle. Still very active, so that's why I keep that around. Okay then, until next time, take care, have a happy holiday, until next time, bye bye. <laughs>